Uh, Daniel Pomerantz is with us live via telephone. He is the executive director of Honest Reporting. Uh, according to the website, Honest Reporting monitors the news for bias, inaccuracy, or other breach of journalistic standards and coverage of the Arab-Israeli conflict. It also facilitates accurate reporting for foreign journalists covering the region. Honest reporting is not aligned with any government or political party or movement. They simply believe that a fully informed public is essential to progress and understanding in conflict resolution. Uh, Daniel Pomerantz, Executive Director of Honest Reporting, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you, Mordechai. It's good to be here. Uh, it's Nahum, no problem. <laughs> we just, we <laughs> oh, just, Nahum, sorry. No problem at all. Um, so it's interesting. If you're going to, um, to do your best to maintain this mission of monitoring bias, inaccuracy, and other breach of journalistic standards, uh, then you're essentially working 24 hours a day because there is plenty <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there is so much that you guys, your entire staff, has to monitor on a daily basis. It's hard to believe. Tell me about the beginnings, how this all started with Honest Reporting. Well, you know, it started in during the uh, Second Intifada, where a uh, horrible picture came out in the New York Times that appeared to show an Israeli police officer beating a Palestinian man. And it turned out that the Palestinian boy, actually, was Tuvia Grossman, a Jewish a uh, student from Chicago who was studying in yeshiva in Israel. Right. And uh, the policeman was a Druze, uh, which is uh, sometimes considered Arab uh, policeman, who was warding off a crowd of uh, Palestinian attackers who had been beating this boy. So the article completely got the story reversed. And uh, the, some people were so upset about it that they began a, an email chain. This was before social media. And the list got so large that they ended up turning it over to uh, an organization which... Uh, from there, it became a uh, an organization that has since turned into Honest Reporting, and that's where we are today, almost 20 years later. Um, in my intro, when I said, you know, you're busy 24 hours a day, I mean, I, essentially, what could you tell uh, people who aren't following the news round the clock about inaccuracies? Is it way beyond your expectations? Is it is it less than people think? Like, what would you? How would you describe? the level of inaccuracy, especially vis-a-vis -vis Israel and the Arab-Israeli conflict? Well, there's a variety. It depends on the publication, the journalist, the editor. And, you know, we don't have the luxury of being of generalizing. We have to look to see uh, the specifics and target the, the specific problems and work with the, the people who are people we can work with. Uh, but I'd say it has gotten, in some ways, it's gotten better over the years, mm. partly because of our efforts. In other ways, it's gotten worse as new forms of media have emerged and there are new people who require our attention. But for ordinary people, I can suggest that if you go to our website, which is honestreporting.com, and if you get on our, our email list and receive our emails, we put out critiques of uh, articles or, or TV programs that are problematic or websites. And you can learn from that how to spot inaccuracies yourself. And often we'll put out a call to action if you want to send an email to the editor. We give you the link. You can click, and we give you all the information you need to explain why there's a problem. And when they get a critical mass of emails, it really does make a difference. Uh, Daniel Pomerantz is with us, honestreporting.com, honestreporting.com. Are you on social media as well under the name Honest Reporting? We are. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, which is where a lot of journalists are, and we get into plenty of good arguments there. 
You can even find us on Instagram, not quite as often as uh, Instagram is less suited to politics, right. but we do make sure to have a presence there. All right. Um, so, again, I, I mean, uh, you know, we, we don't need to establish a scorecard, but I am curious, and this could take a while if we went through every single one that I'm curious about. But, <laughs> I mean, the New York Times, they have a certain reputation, especially among the, the what let's call it the dedicated pro-Israel community. Uh, is it a deserved reputation? In some ways it is. Now, we want to remember they also have Brett Stevens, who used to be with the, the uh, Wall Street Journal. They have Barry Weiss, who are excellent. Uh, they, uh, one example of a problem with the New York Times is that they're referring to these, uh, these border riots uh, at the Gaza border as protests. And so anytime someone, uh, one of the rioters, got shot or injured or killed, uh, they would always say Israel shot a protester or shot someone during protests. And that gives Americans the idea that we're talking about Martin Luther King marching on Capitol Hill or some brave person in Tiananmen Square standing in front of a tank, when in reality we're talking about people attacking uh, Israel with weapons. And we put on just continuous pressure, and we've seen the headlines have changed since then, and now they refer to border clashes instead of protests, which is actually a step ahead of what some other publications are doing right now. Right, and that, so and that likely is because of your work, frankly, that they made that it change. Is like, it is likely because of our work. So sometimes the worst offender can become a little bit better because right. they get our attention. Or they overcompensate. Course, the pendulum swings the other way. That's true. And don't forget, and by the way, know, they I, had this I, political I'm, cartoon recently. Right, of course. Uh, which, I'm, of I'm, course, attracted everyone's attention. Right. And by the way, if they have any journalistic integrity... Um, if they if they are if they are awoken to something that they do that they're either not aware of or not sensitive to, they they might in fact overcompensate and and try to you know correct it so to speak. Well, we find there's all types of people in journalism. Some have integrity and just don't know all the information, and those are really the best people to work with because there is room to make improvement. Right. Some people really are anti-Semitic or hateful or just believe in a certain narrative, and those people may not respond to. Uh, thoughtfulness, but they may respond to a certain amount of pressure that, that could endanger their public reputations because journalists do care about that. Right, understood. And on the scorecard angle, what about CNN? They also have a certain reputation. They're also cited generally. Forget about the president of the United States for a moment. I'll ask you about him in a second. But they are cited often in terms of inaccuracies when it comes to Israel, uh, the way they'll post their videos and describe what's going on. Uh, where would you put them on the on the scale of inaccuracy? <laughs> You know, CNN's interesting. They uh, were quite terrible for a long time, and they finally replaced their uh, local correspondent in Israel. The current person is a guy named Oren Lieberman, right. speaks Hebrew, has an Israeli wife, does a fairly decent job most of the time, but sometimes his stories end up uh, getting headlines out of their offices in Atlanta or New York, and those people uh, are an entirely different batch, and sometimes their headlines are, are quite horrific, even if uh, Oren's story isn't too bad. Mm. Daniel Pomerantz is with us, Executive Director of Honest Reporting. Go to honestreporting.com. Um, I mean, are you specifically uh, engaged only in issues having to do with what you call the Arab-Israeli conflict? I'll, I'll, give you, I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by that. Uh, we know what just happened recently with the congresswoman from New York City who made a comment regarding concentration camps, made a comparison with what's happening on the uh, U.S.-Mexican border. W would that be something you'd get involved with, or that's not your area? Oh, absolutely. We do and we have. Now, we try not to stray too far into the area of, say, the Anti-Defamation League because they're already there and doing their job. But we, uh, we certainly did, um, did get involved in that because at the end of the day it's media. And the lines between anti-Semitism and call it anti-Israelism have become so blurred 
that it's important for us to address both of them and uh, and make sure that one doesn't become an excuse for the other. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that, by the way, that you're doing that. Um, all right, the President of the United States often, and, and this is very often directly directed at CNN, but frankly, it's really directed at anybody, I think, in the mainstream media. Uh, he uses the expression fake news. I, as an observer uh, and as somebody who can appreciate inaccuracies in media, because, again, I follow the Israel situation so closely, I always wonder, and I, in fact, I was just thinking about this as I was watching the interview that Chuck Todd did with him on Sunday. I always wonder, it, you know, brass tacks, bottom line, how much of it is really false or exaggerated in a fashion that's unfair to the president? Did you have any comment about that? Like, is there is there a way to express the legitimacy of the president's general complaint about the mainstream media? Well, you know, we don't get uh, we don't take sides in politics because it's important for our credibility with the journalists. But right. I will say this: it's. It's on the one hand, it's very positive that the president has brought the concept to public attention that news might not always be 100 percent reliable. I agree with you uh, on that. I agree with you on that. I, I think he deserves credit for that. On the on the downside, though, it's the the phrase fake news and the concept of the news media being wrong and needing to be pressured has also become somewhat politicized. And mm. I think regardless of your political leanings, you can and should believe in media accuracy and in pressuring the media when they do wrong, regardless of what political side they happen to be taking. Right. So I guess there's no way to really determine, you know, the, the scorecard of, of what is fake news and what is, you know, generally close to the truth. Um, well, the, the problem is that, you know, you could, it would be easy to identify something that's outright fake, right. but the problem is much more insidious. So like we were talking before, if you call a border riot or a border attack right. a protest, it's not entirely fake. There was an event there that happened, and some people there were protesting, but you've given people a false idea. So we don't call that fake, but in some ways it's even more dangerous. So much of it is so subtle. So much of it yeah. is just an expression here or there or a, uh, um, a description you know, here or there. Like It's just a very subtle difference that really can change, uh, it could change someone's opinion, frankly, about the situation. Uh, and often it comes down to narrative. If a journalist wants to say things a certain way or, or tell a certain story, they'll take any event or fact and fit it into the story they want to tell. Right. Um, do you encourage people, aside from the encouragement you do give on the website, to, and you said it in this conversation, to alert you and your staff to some of the you know the things that are going on around the world in the media, do you encourage people to... Uh, I don't know, contact the New York Times and, and do what you're doing. You know, let, let, the, let the subscribers and the non-subscribers uh, make their voices heard on issues like the one you described earlier? Absolutely. What, what we encourage you to do is it, when you see us write a critique, uh, whether you see it on the website or whether you get it uh, by being on our email list, which I encourage everyone to do, you'll see oftentimes a call to action. If you want to contact the editor, click on this link. And by the time you've read our article, you have all the facts and data because we do the legwork for you. Then you can contact the New York Times. And I very much recommend to not vent all of your emotions at them, even if they may deserve it, but to take a very professional tack and say, look, it's not that I dislike you, it's that you're doing bad work, and I can prove it. you have any idea if they've heard it all from those in our community who have started to boycott or, or cancel the subscriptions? Do you have any clue if that's had any impact on them? I mean, they're certainly aware of it. I think the mood in the New York Times right now is that some of the people there may feel that they're on a mission to tell stories a certain way, and if that means they lose some readers, maybe they'll gain others and, and they'll accomplish their goal of telling a certain narrative. 
but what I would really like to see is for them to return to the principles of journalism, which is not to tell a narrative, but to tell the truth and to let other people make up their own minds once they know the full story. Mm, very interesting. All right, Daniel Pomerantz, Honest Reporting. Everybody out there, we are recommending you go to the website. I'm assuming on the website you could sign up for the email, right? Absolutely. Go to the uh, website, honestreporting.com, sign up for their uh, daily email. And, and those of you out there, and we've had this a million times, uh, those of you out there who call us or are in touch with us and want to know how to react to somebody out there, when it comes to the media now, you have an address that's honestreporting.com. They actually will give you a call to action when something is uh, is uh, incongruent, when something is uh, somewhat suspicious. They'll tell you how to react and encourage you to do so in a respectful manner to whatever news and media outlet uh, is guilty of uh, the charge. So uh, check that out, and you'll uh, be able to enhance your participation in this entire system by being a member at honestreporting.com. Daniel, thanks for your important work, and the best regards to your staff, who I would assume are active 24 hours a day. Almost, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Daniel Pomerantz, Executive Director, honestreporting.com. It is a, a Tuesday morning broadcast. You're listening to JM in the AM.